Hello there, MMBC Church family. Good to be with you today for our midweek discussion that we try to do each week, covering our sermon for the past week. As you know, we've been in Ephesians for a while now, and we started the last chapter of Ephesians this week. We were in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Uh, Pastor Scott Slater was the one preaching this week, focusing on children and parents and that relationship, because this is where Paul goes after the marriage relationship. It's the natural to, to go to the uh, child and parent relationship. And so Paul addresses this. Again, a reminder as we go through these, uh, these sections, we're talking here, Paul is talking about spirit-filled Christians. And I want to keep bringing that up because, again, this Bible, this book isn't something that we can just hand to any random person and say, hey, you should live by this. Paul's talking about people who've been saved by God's grace, who've been forgiven of their sins, who now have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. They're spirit-filled believers. And he says, if this is true in your life, this is how it should play out. Now, again, we're not going to be perfect in this stuff, but we can do better. We can strive to try to do what Paul's talking about here in marriage or in the child-parent relationship. And so he's now entered this relationship of how we function as children and how we function as parents with our children. When he talks about parents to children, he, he specifically references fathers, uh, which Pastor Scott addressed in his sermon and we'll, and we'll get to. Um, but Pastor Scott, you had talked about um, children obeying your parents, because that's where Paul goes first there in verse 1. And so you directly were referencing children in your sermon. You had them raise their hands at different ages. Um, but one thing that you mentioned is we're all children, right? You said everybody in this room has has parents. You were born, and so you, you, have, you have parents. Um, some, probably their parents are not alive anymore, uh, but others it is. And I don't think you talked about it too much, um, but maybe you did some studying or have some thoughts on this, or Pastor Spencer, you as well. Um, I often wonder, like, how, my my relationship to my parents has changed over time because of age, mm-hmm. right? When you're talking to the seven and the eight-year-old, and the Bible's very clear to obey, right? <laughs> Children obey your parents, and so mm-hmm. it's, they told you not to do this, you don't do it, Um our relationships with our parents have changed because, like I said, because of age. And so did you come across anything in your studies, um, maybe in dealing with that? How do we, at the age that we're at now or even older, how do we honor and obey? Because I, I think the obey still has to be a part of it, but honor as well. So how, I don't know, did you come across anything specific? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you're, especially, I mean, that commandment was given in the Old Testament, obviously. And so when you're looking at it in the Old Testament context, and the way that relates to families, people are usually very quick to show that that doesn't just mean to obey, right? To honor someone is more than just obeying them. It's showing them respect. It's taking care of them. It's relating well to them, speaking well of them. Um, But in the specific context of Ephesians, so in my studies uh, preparing for this this week, it's pretty clear that Paul has in mind younger children who are still under the household authority of their parents that are still being reared by them. Why is that clear? I mean, that's clear because of the command that he gives them, right? And so he quotes the commandment to honor your father and mother, 
But the specific command to the children that he's drawing out is to obey. He highlights a child's duty to obey their parents. And then it's also clear because of what he tells the fathers and how he instructs the parents and what they should be doing is disciplining their children, right? Because like you said, over time, the parental relationship changes and it's not very often that you're going to see an adult um, parent disciplining their adult child. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least it, it shouldn't be happening. That that kind of stage has gone along, right? And so that's that's the understanding that commentators have is that what he does have in mind here are young children. Mm-hmm. But I did talk a little bit about I wanted to try to stay focused on what I thought the context right. that Paul yeah. was talking mm-hmm. about was. Mm-hmm. But I did try to encourage the kids at the end that it won't be this way forever because your relationship with your parents will change. And I yeah. I wanted to try to – I didn't have enough time. I already mm-hmm. went pretty long. But I wanted to try to bring out how Jesus' relationship with his mom changed. Because in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, you have the account of Jesus as a boy at the temple. You know, uh, Mary and Joseph, they find him and they bring him back. Uh, home, and it says that he was submissive to them, and that's how Jesus was relating to his his mother and his earthly father. But then at the cross, when Jesus is on the cross, he tells his disciple John to take care of his mother, and you see a big change in the relationship between Jesus and his own mother, to where now his relationship is much more of making sure that she is taken care of mm-hmm. uh, and honoring his mother in that way. Yeah, And I, I didn't have enough time to really tease that out. But to answer the question, yeah, it, it's not only obeying your parents. And one day I, I talked about it as if there's a relationship shift from where a child goes from being dependent on their parents to where their parents will become dependent on them in many cases. And I, I'd even talk to people on Sunday morning who, you know, an elderly gentleman who's 91 years old told me that, he only gets to come when he, when his daughter gets to bring him mm-hmm. because he has other kids, but they won't bring him, but she will, mm-hmm. right? And so in that way, he's he's dependent on her because he can't drive anymore, right? And so, yeah, the, the relationship will change throughout the years. Um, and it's just you have to, you have to kind of pick and choose what am I going to focus on, what am I going to hone in on when I'm preparing a sermon? Because, yeah, I could have talked about all different stages of childhood. Mm-hmm. And if I was doing a sermon on only children— then I probably could have done that. Yeah. But time just didn't allow. Yeah. Yeah, it's just an interesting, I think, thing to think about. And now, some might say that the family relationship was different during Bible times, and I'm sure it was. You probably had more generations living together, for sure, or really living close together, uh, where you see, you know, you mom and dad are taking care of their mom and dad, or, or however that could play out. That probably happened a, a lot more. Uh, in biblical times. And then you could also say, you know, when were kids considered adults in Bible times? Mm-hmm. Probably different than what we would say yeah. today. Mm-hmm. And so while the truths of God's word don't change about honoring and obeying parents, culture does cause the family dynamic to change a little bit in how you handle those things. And so I don't want to like put guilt on anybody uh, to say, you as a child are not honoring your parent because whatever they don't live with you in the home now or whatever no i don't yeah. i don't think the bible's saying you have to do something like that mm-hmm. but it does change that that relationship definitely does change over time so like for me with my parents they're not dependent on me right now 
you know, uh, but we do have a different relationship than when I lived in the home and was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even more friendship as well, you know, like yeah. enjoying to be together, enjoying like hobbies or whatever it might be. And then the fact is, I mean, a man and I do have dependence on them sometimes to help with our kids or whatever. And they're there for that. Mm-hmm. And, and, maybe that goes back and forth at times. We're like, Hey Tim, we need your help with this. Okay. And trying the best that we can to help there. But it's just neat. I think to see how that does change and, and how you can still though practice these biblical concepts of honor and obey Mm -hmm. no matter what age you are uh, as a child. Yeah. And it, it was honestly a, uh, it was a challenge somewhat to prepare to focus on the actual command for children to obey their parents because, mm-hmm. you know, like our gut reaction, I feel like a lot of times and my gut reaction was to like, that just feels like I'm putting another rule on them or emphasizing that, you know, you have to follow the rules. And so trying to, to teach this to children in a way that explains like, this isn't just about following a rule for you, but this is how God has ordered the family. And there's there's good things that come from this. Yeah, you said there was two reasons. You said, first of all, the reason we obey is because God tells us to, mm-hmm. which is a good reason. Uh, fifth commandment here as well in Ephesians, you're, you're told to do it. Uh, the second thing, though, is you said it leads to good things. And you talked about how, for the most part, again, there's outliers. There's bad parents out there. Mm-hmm. There's abusive parents out there. Yeah. And we're not speaking about them in this instance. Yeah. But for the most part, most parents that I've come around do have a desire for good things for their children. They want to raise their children, even non-Christian parents. They yeah. still want mm-hmm. good for their kids. They hope that they're better off than they were financially, education-wise, whatever it might be. They want all this good for their kids. And so they are striving to do what's right for their children. And so that's the good that you were kind of referencing is like there's there's great wisdom in obeying your parents because they have more wisdom than you, and they're trying to lead you down that path to yeah. be wise, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I thought that was a good point. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially the whole book of Proverbs mm-hmm. is about yeah. trying to impart wisdom in the next generation, mm-hmm. right? And I, I again, there's I could have spent the whole sermon going through just the book of Proverbs and the emphasis that's there on the parents' role to instruct their children and to telling the kids like you really need to take in what your parents are giving you because it will lead to generally positive results Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. of the wisdom that they're giving you. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny being on this end with kids, you know, and that are getting older and you guys all have kids as well. But I remember, you know, difficulties in my upbringing of being frustrated with my parents for whatever it might be. Like, why in the world do you want me home tonight? Like, why can't I go out? What's the big deal? Why do we all have to be together? And I, I just remember thinking, this is so dumb. We're not even doing anything. Mm-hmm. We're just sitting here, you know, or whatever. But now being on the opposite side of it, of starting to grasp, they, there was a reason for that. You know, it makes sense now what they were, what they were saying. And so you, it takes a little bit to see the wisdom yeah. <laughs> in, in those. Yeah. Um, and, and it's hard to, it's hard to relate that to like teenagers or, or younger kids. It's it's just something they have to, they're going to have to learn on their, on their own. Uh, but it is coming, you know, if there's any teenagers or whatever, listen to us here. It is coming. And, and that's part of the teenager's job now, I think, in honoring their parents mm-hmm. is that obeying them and trusting them that they do care about them, you know, um, we get that sometimes with our kids, but you just, you just don't want me to have any fun. Yeah, that's exactly right. I don't want you to ever have fun. That's exactly, yep, yep. Um, but anyways, 
All right, then after that, you moved on um, to the last verse, really. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And it does specifically say fathers there. I'm interested in your studies, uh, Pastor Scott. You, you talked about this some because you said, mothers, this does not mean you play no role. Mm-hmm. Um, so why the emphasis on fathers specifically? You, you talked about it some yesterday, but maybe just do it a little bit more today. Yeah, I mean, virtually every resource I use to prepare for the sermon in some way engaged that idea of like, because I think the the word that's used there for fathers is elsewhere used to include mothers and fathers in the same way that sometimes Paul will address brothers, but that doesn't mean he's not addressing sisters mm. too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he every resource virtually recognized that he was specifically addressing fathers in that verse, mm-hmm. right? And so um, it seems to be, just a recognition that this is a place for for fathers uh, in the household, referencing back to even Old Testament passages that emphasize the role of fathers instructing their children and leading their families in that way. Mm-hmm. So then you kind of broke down what that meant, you know, about um, the discipline and instruction of the Lord, and you you talked about that. Can you tease that out some for us, and then we'll discuss it more maybe? Yeah, so it's, I mean, I tried to think about it, in terms of a toolbox, you just have general tools at your disposal as a parent. And when it comes to trying to nurture, right, and that's that's really the overarching goal, right? It's not just do, it's not just you need to discipline your children and you need to instruct them. It's that there is a goal that you are trying to bring your children up. You're trying to nurture them towards something. And how do you do that? And you have discipline on the one hand, which is, uh, for the most part, correcting incorrect behavior or beliefs or attitudes in your children where they are adopting a sinful mindset or a world, worldly mindset of something uh, or living in outright rebellion um, versus um, <clears throat> versus instruction where you are trying to positively show them and encourage them in the right direction, right? Trying to, and th- the idea there is, you know, I, I mean, I'm obviously assuming he says in the Lord. And so the goal of our instruction and our nurturing of our children is towards the Lord, is towards Christ. And it's while we do, you've already said this, we have a, we have a responsibility as parents to prepare our kids for life in general. Mm-hmm. But we have a specific responsibility because, like you said, this, is, this isn't just parents in general of the whole world. This is spirit-filled Christians mm-hmm. that he's talking to, and spirit-filled Christian parents should have a, an investment in nurturing their children to faith. Do you have your notes with you? Yeah. I'm sorry to put you on the spot like this. Because um, you had said, you said the father should see to it that the children get instruction. Yeah. Right, that they heat, the, but then you used a bunch of you had a bunch of words quickly. I couldn't, I didn't have time to write down. You, but part of it was you said he prioritizes it, he resources it, but you said a bunch of other things. Yeah, just that he, uh, I said that he, the father encourages it. Okay, he delights in it. Mm-hmm. Like he, this is something that makes him happy. He resources it and he he prioritizes it. Right, and so the idea behind that was that I was trying to address the fact that this isn't this doesn't just mean that only dads are allowed to tell their kids about the Lord and instruct them. It's just as much a job of mothers mm-hmm. to do that. But the father's role is to see to it that it is happening, 
it's his responsibility. And so encouraging it to happen. Uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking about, honestly, I'm thinking about mothers that I've talked with that have mm-hmm. been frustrated about their husbands not taking part in this responsibility in their home. And, you know, a dad's, and even his encouragement to see that this happens makes a huge difference. Uh, his willingness to make it a priority for the family, even if he's not the one who's reading the devotional, is a huge thing for the family uh, to see that that happens. So I go to bed every night at 8 o'clock, but I tell Amanda, make sure you read the Bible to the kids before you go to bed later. Sure. Does that work? <laughs> I think your wife is going to start getting mad at you because you are not fulfilling your role oh. as a husband to oh. sacrifice of yourself. Oh. Oh. I mean, okay. I'll have to change that up. <laughs> no. We'll pray for Amanda. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, you bring out good points there in what you said because I, I can't remember all that, how you teased it out, but. I know a lot of fathers, you know, and they prioritize, you can tell that they care about their family and that they do prioritize things in their family. You know, they help plan a vacation every year. When you mm-hmm. talk to them, like, why are you doing this? Well, you know, our family needs a break. And we, yeah. I want them to go somewhere. I want my kids to see different parts of the world so that they can learn. You talk to dads and they're prioritizing athletics. And so they're taking a lot of effort in coaching their kids or making sure that they're getting good coaching or on right, correct teams. Uh, you see fathers prioritize education. They're going on college visits. They're doing all these different sort of activities that shows that they do care about their about their children. Uh, but sadly, this part of instructing them in the Lord seems to fall to the wayside to where a lot of fathers I come into contact with, that just means you should have your kid in church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that's that's me prioritizing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's usually just Sunday morning. It might not even be Sunday school. It might not be like a youth Bible study or anything else. It's just they're there on Sunday morning. And see, it's always been a priority in our family. And and they think by doing that, their kids see that to them, their relationship with God is important and well, see, serious. I would actually... I mean, there are some that do that, but honestly, I would think the father who is doing that is doing a lot more Mm. than what a lot of others are, because I think there's actually a lot of families that don't prioritize their kids being in church on Sunday that I've seen as well, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think that is part of what it means for a father to prioritize the instruction of their children is we're going to prioritize being together on Sunday mornings in worship as a family. That's definitely part of it, right? But I see what yeah, the point yeah. you're making. Yeah, and yeah, I was, again, I mean, I'm trying to talk about spirit-filled believers, people I think are Christian, and uh, I just feel like a lot of men are just disengaged. The ones who do come even are just disengaged when they're here, and they think just by being present here, their family sees, see, it's important to me. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true because your family sees how disengaged you are when you're here, mm-hmm. that you get here, church starts at 1030. They see that you get here at 1040 or whatever. It wasn't important to be on time. You, they see that you don't really talk to anybody and that when the pastor's praying at the end, you bounce so that you can beat traffic. Mm-hmm. Right, and so it's not like that's a priority. You're not prior, prioritizing anything yeah. really there for them. Um, that's that's what I was trying to address and, and yeah. talk about, and that makes sense. And I, I, in my sermon, I tried to be really careful. Like I use words like you know, you resources, you resource it, you encourage it, you mm-hmm. prioritize it, 
I wanted to be careful to not lay out like a specific regiment that right, you need yeah, to adhere yeah. to. Right. Because what it looks like for one family to prioritize it and to emphasize it and to resource it is going to look different for every family. There's right. freedom yeah, in this. Yeah. But freedom in how you do it does not excuse you to not do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the point. Yeah. And so I didn't want to get too specific mm-hmm. with it. But yeah, like it needs to be on your mind as mm-hmm. a father. And I think, you know, what resonated with me, and you mentioned this, like, you know, you, you just don't know what to do. You know, mm-hmm. growing up in a non-Christian home, we never <clears throat> talked about the Lord, let alone did family worship or devotional yeah. time. And so when I became a dad, I'm like, uh, <laughs> what do I do? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really good. It's like, that's the big, that's a big obstacle for dads. It's like, I never saw that growing up, remodeled, you know. Um, and so what, how do I go forward? How do I do this? And mm-hmm. I think just saying, you know, there's resources available. There's books, you know, th- th- your class is a great example. I mean, I don't, I don't know many churches that o- that offer any kind of curriculum or class that teaches how do you do family worship? How do you do this? You know, and again, it's going to be different. You know, one, one family might enjoy doing a hymn and others might just question a, almost like a catechism type thing and or a little story devotional it doesn't matter as long as you're intentional i thought that was really good i think the over spiritualization of what happens on sunday morning has affected that mm-hmm. uh, because when you're a part of a church where the holy spirit was evident because everybody clapped after a song or stood up or mm-hmm. the pastor got just going you know he was red in the face and flying you know a dad then is told, hey, you should lead worship at home. They're like, mm-hmm. how in the world? That's worship. I can't do that at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't compare to that. And yeah. But that's a false narrative, I think, of what worship is supposed to be, yep. right? We're right. talking about being faithful to the things God has given us. We try mm-hmm. to do that on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And we're just saying, just do that in your home. We're not, tell- we're not telling you to preach to your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, some families sing together. Some don't. We're just saying, really, what what we're trying to say is, just read the Bible some together. I don't even care if it's like a verse. Like read, a, I wouldn't pick some random verse and then it's like, I don't know. You know, we mm-hmm. could do that. Just some odd verse, but I'm mm-hmm. sure. But a section, just something smaller. There's so many good devotionals out there that'll give you some verses and, and a paragraph or two to read mm-hmm. with your family. There's so many resources out there to help. And that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like try to sit down as a family Throughout the week, once a week, twice a week, mm-hmm. three times a week, whatever. Work mm-hmm. your way up. I, yeah. It don't matter to me, right? And just read with them. Mm-hmm. Ask them, do you got any questions? They might say no. Do you, have, do you have anything we can pray about? They might say no. Pray together. Great. I'm happy that you did that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm happy when we do that in my, yeah. in my house, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I would say, yeah, you know, parents don't know what to do. It's, that's a huge hurdle to get over. But I would just, I mean, we talked about this in my class that if just, you don't even have to read anything at the beginning, just pray yeah. with your kids. Yeah, start yeah. there. Like right. to just have a spiritual conversation with them. Tell your kids, hey, I never heard this before this morning in church. Mm-hmm. This is something I learned. And I say that because like, so like Dave, you talked about not growing up in a Christian home. To this day, I don't, he doesn't listen to this. To this day, my father has never initiated a spiritual conversation with me mm-hmm. to this day. And every spiritual conversation has been initiated by me. Mm-hmm. It means a lot, and it tells your kid a lot about what's important to you. Absolutely. When you, as their father or as their mother, initiate 
a spiritual conversation and just want to, you're not looking for anything from them. You're just telling them about what you think mm-hmm. and what it, you learned. And I think part of the truth is for some dads or parents in general, if we wanted to say that, who heard your message this week and their kids are sitting there and their kids are like, we don't do that. And the parents know they don't do that. I think there's probably a sense of great embarrassment to go home and to start that. But what I would encourage parents to do is to humble yourself, Mm -hmm. uh, which we've been talking about in Ephesians, the humility that we have as believers to submit to one another in a way that you can submit to your children and show them this is to humble yourself to say what you said just a minute ago. We all heard the sermon. We all as a family know we don't do this. And maybe say, I'm sorry, we don't do that. I want to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's try. And so maybe say, like you said, Scott, let's try from now on at nine o'clock or 10 o'clock, whenever it is your family kind of starts to wind down, whatever it is, let's, let's at least pray together twice this week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and just start there and for the people who I've known who've tried to start this kind of stuff, they do say how it's a little awkward at first. And it is, it is. Cause everyone's like, this isn't part of our family. This isn't what we do. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's yeah. different. Mm-hmm. Um, but just do it and pray and then maybe incorporate a devotional. You know, we would love to talk to people about devotionals they could use or books. And I'm talking different ages. I mean, if you have kids who are three or four, there's books out there that, are helpful Mm -hmm. and you say, well, I have a wide range. That's fine. I mean, I do too. I Mm -hmm. go from 16 to four. And so sometimes we read, you know, we could read a book for the four-year-old, but we can tease that out to everybody, Mm -hmm. you know, how this is, what is being talked about here. So Mm -hmm. like you said, there's no set standard. There's no anything. I I think we're just encouraging as pastors, just do it some. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was what you said there, the, the embarrassment that some families feel walking out, especially if they have older kids right. that were walking uh-huh. out with them. That was another challenge of trying to prepare the sermon to where I didn't, and I tried to say that before I dismissed people, that I don't want people to leave here filled with guilt about where they have failed and where they have not taken opportunities where it's been given. You don't need to be filled with guilt because all of us have failed at this yeah. at various mm-hmm. times. And that's that's why Christianity is a religion of, of grace mm-hmm. and faith. And it's not about what we have done or haven't done, opportunities we have taken or haven't taken. Right. You know, in the same way I would tell a sinner, it's never too late for you to repent. I would tell a, a father and a mother, it is never too late for you to start. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And just as a testimonial, there are a number of families who are in my class, I'm not going to say any of their names, who have told me that, you know, we had a we had our first family devotional in the car ride to school this morning. <laughs> it was awesome. Uh-huh. The kids loved it, right? We even sang together, and they were asking to do it, like, hmm. without me initiating it by Thursday. They probably listened to Carmen. Maybe. That was the music. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, but they... You know, and then, but other families that didn't do it that way saying, you know, we did it for the first time and it went really well. Yeah, I've or, heard that too. Or they yeah. also said, mm-hmm. we, we tried this tonight with just us. It was a little awkward, but we're going to keep trying it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, don't be embarrassed. I was lucky enough. Like I, again, didn't grow up in a, a very solidly Christian home, I wouldn't say, but my wife did. Right. And so when I convictionally started trying to do what we do to disciple our kids, 
it was foreign to me, but it was not foreign to my wife. And that was a huge encouragement to me, Yeah, right, to know that this was normal for her, like for you know, mom and dad to sit down with the kids, to read some of the Bible together, to, to sing some hymns together, mm-hmm. to pray with one another. That was a huge encouragement to mm-hmm. me. And so I would say this, wives, one of the best things that you can do to be involved in this process is if your husband feels awkward, if he feels ashamed, if he feels overly burdened for this, encourage him to do it. If he tries it, tell him it was a home run and that it was mm-hmm. awesome and that you want him to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And that will go a long way. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think to, to interject, Pastor Scott, you know, when you shared about that, you know, the checklist, you know, about being a, a Ephesians 6 dad, you know, and what that looks like, you're like, listen, I've, I've broken all of the, all that. I don't know how you said it, but basically I have fallen short. You know, I'm not the ideal and I think that's really good for, for people, for dads to hear that, and just people in general, because it's like, okay, a pastor is saying that, because sometimes the people have this idea that pastors have arrived. You know, the whole, you know, unfortunately, even though we're not from a Catholic background as far as, obviously, our theology, but there's the idea, oh, the saints, they've, they're venerated. You know, they've, they've made it. And, and it's like you, Pastor Tim, when you were sharing about as a husband, you're like, this was hard preparing this sermon because I fall short, you know, as a husband. And it's like people hear that, they're like, okay, and that's where the grace comes in. It's like there's no, there's no, we haven't, we haven't crossed the threshold on this, you know. It's like we're, we're in a process, we come from different backgrounds, we have different, you know, um, struggles and sin patterns or whatever. And I think for, that was encouraging to me. It's like, yeah, because as you were going through that, I'm like, oh, man, oh, man. You know, same with Ephesians 5. Or, yeah. You know, so. I mean, just to be open and honest, our, like my, our family and our situation, just the busyness of a schedule is real, is very real to us to where, I don't know, for the past three months, maybe more than that, we haven't even had time to eat dinner together. Mm-hmm. You know, when I when I leave for church in the morning around 7 and getting the kids to school, finally get to the church at 8, I don't usually get home until 8, 8.30, 9 at night, sometimes later. Maybe bouncing in the house real quick to change clothes, but then to go somewhere else. And that's not just me. I mean, that's our whole our whole crew. And so then when you get home at nine o'clock and you're thinking about, we need to read or do family devotion. Plus we got one who's screaming, doesn't want to go to bed or whatever. You know, it's not like every night we're sitting down and holding hands and praying and doing all of this. It's not. And, Mm -hmm. and so we try to do it as often as we can. Uh, and my kid, my kids will use devotion to stay up later. You know, it's like, guys, it's time to go to bed. Aren't we going to read dad? No, you know, you're going to bed. Yes, you are going to read this five chapters out of numbers. <laughs> yeah, right now. Go, you know. Uh, but I mean, I'm just trying to bring truth to what mm-hmm. you're saying. I mean, mm-hmm. it, that's the reality of life. And yeah, I think that right. it's like that for everybody. Mm-hmm. But then there's seasons where it seems to flow much easier, where we're home more and mm-hmm. there's more of a discussion or the kids are more into what we're talking. There's times I do devotion, I read, and there's I feel like I could stop and no one would notice I've stopped. <laughs> like, right. like anybody's paying any attention. Yeah, right. We make sure they don't have their phones, you know, or right, right. Uh, TVs off, but they're still in la la land, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. It, but, but still you, you do it right. Mm-hmm. You keep doing it mm-hmm. and hope that God uses it in their life. Now. All right. Let me move on from that. Cause we got to wrap this up. You talked about, cause, cause Paul does do not provoke your children to anger. We didn't touch on that yet, but mm-hmm. I think that's a, a good thing to talk about. You said the statement, they should not, you talked specifically to dads, but you said they, these kids should not question 
your love for them. And I think that's an important thing. I think that's a awesome goal to set as a dad. You know, we are to discipline and we are to incur all this stuff that we are supposed to do. I think a lot of times dads tend to go to discipline and we can be on our kids' cases a lot. Mm-hmm. And we need to make sure as dads, I think we have this heart and this desire. We want them to know that we love them and that we do desire what is good and best for them. And so just like when I'm trying to pastor or minister to people who are questioning God's love for them, you try to remind them, say, God loves you. You know, his grace was poured out on you. He has chosen you. All these stuff, you try to share these truths with them because you want them to know the and realize that God does love you. He's a good father. We sang that song uh, this week. He really is a good father. That needs to be reflected in our relationship to our children where there's where there's no doubt, right? We care about you. I love you. And I want you to see this. And this is how I show my love to you, right? I, I want you to know the Lord. I want you to be raised in the Lord. But I also, sounds. I'm not trying to separate you. I want you to know that I want you to have blessings, just like God, God blesses us with so many things beyond just Christ. I know we sing, you know, Jesus is enough. Yes, absolutely. But our father goes beyond that, mm-hmm. gives us all these good things. Because uh, in Hebrews, it even said, you know, if your father, your earthly father knows to give you good things, how much more do you think? I know, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, there's this thing there's like, we should be giving good things to our kids. And so we love on them. We bless them. I want my kids to have fun. I want them to see that I want to have fun with them. All these different things. And I think that's just a good goal to put out there. And that's another good conversation that has to come up sometimes with with your children. Because just like I said with the spouses, you know, when you look at your spouse, like, do you even like me? Because mm-hmm. life gets in the way, right? And I think that's an honest question to ask at times. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to have those discussions with our children to say, not do you like me? Because they're probably going to say, not really. Yeah, <laughs> uh, But to say... I want you to know mm-hmm. I care about you and I love you. You guys are very special to me. You know, whatever. I think even though it might be out of our comfort zone and it's maybe against our personality at times, we have to be faithful to remind them of this because mm-hmm. um, we can definitely get caught up. And I say that from experience wholeheartedly. You know, my kids are in sports and my son can go out and have a great game and win the game. And he's like, dad, wasn't that game good? It's like, yeah, but did you, why'd you make that pass in the second quarter? That was so dumb. You passed it right to the other, like forgetting all the good and just trying to lift him up and help him out. That's just how my mind seems to work. And I have to catch myself to be like, yeah, that was great. Mm-hmm. Maybe let's talk about the other things later. You know, yeah. let's pump, you know, um, but we, I, I was glad that you had said that Scott about make sure that they, they know that you love them and, and that's always why you're doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. that that was good. Well, Pastor Spencer is with us today. I just want you guys to know he <laughs> fell asleep, I think, <laughs> yeah. and he's awake now. So yeah, we're going to end before. Do you know what we were talking about? What? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> <laughs> what day is it? No, I'm just messing. I'm just messing. Spencer, Spencer's been here. But Scott, thank you for uh, preaching this week. I did a great job. I'm uh, appreciative of of having uh, other pastors 
in our congregation that we can trust with the pulpit. And I think it's important that the church doesn't just hear me preaching all the time, but they see that um, we are we are relying on the word of God, not Tim's word, but on the word of God. And you guys bring that out when you preach, and I'm I'm thankful for that. And so. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, have more opportunities for that Sunday morning in and Sunday evening here in the here in the near future. Well, thanks for joining us today on our recap. Here, uh, we look forward to getting into the next section of Ephesians next week, and so hopefully you'll join us on Sunday for that. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope that you have a blessed week. Thank you for listening. <laughs>